1: Morning everyone. Welcome back to another edition of the show. It is February 15th, 2022, and I'm joined once again by Kyle Klingman up in Cedar Falls, Iowa. And Kyle, did you have a did you have a nice Valentine's
0: Day? I forgot it was, to be honest with you. I think you had you'd wish me a happy Valentine's Day and then you snubbed me saying that it wasn't me and I think I went all downhill from there. So, absolutely not. I did not have a nice Valentine's Day.
1: All right. My apologies, but uh Better luck next year. Yeah, thank you. (laughs) All right, man. Well, I want to get to our guest today uh, of native Missourian like myself. His name's Nick Perler, Perler Wrestling Academy, NCAA All-American in Oklahoma State. Nick, how are you?
2: Doing fantastic. I appreciate you guys having me.
1: Yeah, thanks for joining us, man. Um, And, you know, I just kind of want to dig in. I know you went to high school at Wentzville. I think you grew up in Wentzville, maybe St. Charles, Missouri, Mm -hmm. just outside of St. Louis. But uh, how did you get introduced to wrestling?
2: Yeah, I was a soccer player. Dave Hochel was our our soccer coach, and uh, his son Dean was uh, my age, and so he was also the high school wrestling coach, and also did the youth program as well. So, just joined the soccer team in Winsville and ended up on the wrestling team.
1: And what was your what was your first impressions of wrestling? Did you know what it was? A lot of people think they're thinking ropes and turnbuckles when they walk in.
2: Yeah, I I, I was I was looking for turnbuckles, and. Uh, we used to watch WWE because you know pro wrestling originated in St. Louis, right? So I remember little bitty kid. My great grandpa always had it on, and you know uh, we watched it some. But yeah, I I, I thought that would be the case a bit. Man, we took to it right off the bat, and um, it wasn't. We played baseball that summer, and I think. I remember not wanting to go to baseball practice. And anyway, I thought my dad would be mad. And he's like, are you guys saying you don't want to play baseball? And we're like, no. And uh, he was like, this is the happiest day of my life. (laughs) He's like, you don't have to play baseball. And uh, he just found out about freestyle wrestling. We're doing that. So I didn't start till I was 11, which wasn't really that late back then. But um, I, I pretty much just dove in on wrestling. It kind of it just kind of sparked my interest, sort of came easy to me, I guess. And we tend to gravitate towards things that come easy to us. So that's was kind of uh, how that happened. Um,
1: What was it that you liked about it? And you have a twin brother, right? So everybody knows Tony is your twin brother. So you guys yeah. kind of got into this together. I'm sure you were wrestling partners most of the time, if I had to guess.
2: Yeah. So, you know, unlike the brands, uh, uh, story where there was blood on the walls. Uh, <laughs> we had a little resting room in the basement. There was no blood, but there were holes in the walls. We were, we were, we were, we weren't violent, but we we fought a lot. My brother and I. So uh, we kind of just grew up scrapping since we were little kids. Um, the neighbor, uh, we had a small, we we all had three acre lots, right? And there was only like about eight houses on this two mile stretch. But okay. our neighbor called us the little, little devils. That was her nickname for us. We ended up becoming friends and so forth. And her par- parent, or her and my parents became friends. But we were kind of hillions and uh, just fighters and scrappers. And you know, uh, I think that probably had something to do with it. You get on the wrestling mat and you grab people, and I don't know. It's just, I mean, you know what I'm talking about I think it's just was a fit
1: yeah um and somebody else who's like that and I don't I, obviously Sammy Henson grew up in roughly the same area okay. as you did you guys know each other growing up through wrestling or was it more like high school when yeah you-
2: yeah yeah so Sam and I we we wrestled actually like a lot <laughs> right so like his it might have been I guess it was my second year of wrestling we wrestled. And uh, so he would come over to our house. So we'd wrestle like every other year because I was a year older than him. And he was never, he and my brother only wrestled a couple of times and Tony really had his number. But um, he and I always had close matches, but he would come over to our house, spend the night. And, uh, you know, uh, we'd had a weightlifting belt when we put tinfoil on it. We were like 12, 13, 12, not 13, but 11, 12 years old. And we'd play WWE and we just beat the hell out of each other. Um, But yeah, so Sammy grew up right down the road and his dad was an iron worker like my dad. And so they kind of knew each other a bit. Okay. Uh, So uh, we we, kind of grew up and and when we uh, competed against each other, we kind of hated each other, you could say. Uh, uh, A healthy kind of a, a relationship. But then whenever there was a year or so where we weren't competing against each other, we were kind of friends. And, and that's just kind of the way that relationship kind of happened. Then my brother, I kind of dropped out of wrestling after college and went into a graduate school, got married. My brother kept wrestling, went down to my freestyle weight class. And he and Sam ended up being training partners for uh, a, a lot of years um, together at Mizzou and then at OU. So, um Anyway, but yeah, we all three grew up with it right in the, within the same time. In fact, in 1998, my brother made the world team the year Sam won the title. My brother finished somewhere in the top 10, had a, had a good showing, still pretty impressive to make the team, but there was only eight guys on the team. And so the um, I think it was Ted and Jerry Hickey were joking how the Gateway Athletic Conference, the GAC Conference, yeah. the toughest. Uh, high school conference in the world because 25% of Team USA was from this one uh, athletic high school conference, which that's a pretty cool thing. That, I don't know if that's ever happened before.
1: Yeah, I know there's always, always been really strong wrestling out in, in that area. Um, mm-hmm. And so you went to Wentzville, I think you, you won, I think three state titles, had a really great high school career. At, you know, Did you know you wanted to wrestle in college before you got into high school or was that something you figured out when you were in high school? And did you know much, right, yeah. there's no internet, no Twitter, no flow, there's no, there's a,
2: not that easy to follow college wrestling. Nothing, so uh, it was like a couple matches would be on, like I remember wanting to go to uh, SIUE, Southern Illinois University in Edwardsville, right, mm-hmm. because Coach Larry Kristoff was there, and um, I, I think it was Timmy Wright, he was a four-timer in Division Two. And I see back then we'd go to open tournaments in the summer and the Mizzou wrestling varsity team would be there, uh, SIUE, there'd be kids divisions, high school divisions. So it was nothing to go to Forest Park Community College or Merrimack Community College, which were the two uh places where all the summer events were held besides parkway south there'd be high school uh, college men there competing too so we go to these tournaments and we'd sit and watch the mizzou wrestlers like craig martin who was only probably four or five years older than me but he was an idol to me um uh brian jackson again four years older to me but you know when you're when you're uh 17 and they're 21 or 22 and they're a college wrestler You look up to these guys, right? So, I I did. I that's where I kind of got the itch, and I wanted to go to SIUE, and um, and uh, that that was that was sort of the first. But then, Shepard Pittman, one of the most influential coaches of my life, he said, You guys should go to Oklahoma State the way you wrestle, you know. And so, he planted that bug, and 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 he actually took me and the hickeys and some people to the 87 NCAA tournament in Iowa State. And I watched Iowa State, I mean, Oklahoma State. And I was like, that's where I want to go. Because Shep kind of planted that seed in my head. And uh, I guess it was the year before I watched John Smith lose in the NCAA finals to Jordan. All right. And um, I I don't know why. I remember they they showed Jeff, uh, Jim Jordan's dad in the stands. His dad kind of looked like my dad, just a country guy, you know, with the beard. Anyway, so there was a few like, just like mental impressions about Oklahoma state and just, they happened to start writing us letters and it was a very exciting and, um, I don't know. It just, it just kind of happened for us, uh, just because we were winning on the national level and, you know, and, and that always helps too. So. But, sure. Um, and, and
1: that was a great time for Oklahoma state wrestling. What was the environment like when you got there and was it, was it what you had hoped
2: for? Yeah. So, uh, well, on my recruiting visit, we got to train with John. Uh, they were redoing their wrestling room back then. So we were using a, 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 a middle school that was actually closed down. No Gosh. heat in there. I mean, those you guys tell stories about that, right? There was no heat. And we went there on a recruiting visit, and I was so nervous because, um, you know, I had to wrestle with John Smith, and it was cool, right? But um, it was nerve wracking. So that was cool. But I actually got hit in the head. And I had a concussion, right. And this was like the second or third day of our visit. And I went outside and I closed the door. but We had to keep the door propped open with a rock. And I didn't know I got locked out. And so I'm my head's hurt. And I'm trying to get in the door. And I'm like, john's gonna think I'm a puss. And I don't want to compete. And I'm as it was like, 12, 13, maybe 15 minutes. And I'm like figuring out how to break into this building. And finally he opens a door and he's like, Oh, I forgot to tell you. I'm like, I was not slacking. I tried to get in there. I, I think I just went outside to, to, to take a pee because I don't think there was any bathrooms in there. Anyway, so that was that was the scary impression. But the main impression I had once I got on campus was um, you know, you're I said this on another podcast, you're just around a massive group of men who who are are killers. are just extremely driven and at Oklahoma State I remember Joe C sat all the freshmen down before season started and he pulls out the OSU uniforms and like the singlet and he was like okay guys and he went through all the all Americans national champs Olympians and so forth he's like when you're at this school and you wear this uniform you win if you don't win you don't wear this uniform this is a singlet we wear it's famous all over the world You do not win. You do not wear this. And he was like, the fans expect it. The booster club expects it. The community expects it. Everyone expects us to win. If you don't win, you will not be wearing this. And I remember my instinct right off the bat was I loved that because I always liked that kind of push. You know, like the old, just go out there and have some fun. I I didn't respond well to that. I need somebody to grab me and say, hey. It's time to shine, you know, and so I looked around and about some of the guys, maybe a third had their head down. And I thought you guys are in the wrong place. And that was like the impression I had. So anyway, that 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 was awesome. And I was a big Josie fan. And I loved having him in my corner. And I thought that was awesome stuff.
1: Wow. Did you have any? did, Did you have that prior in high school at all? Maybe not to the same extent, but like somebody telling you they expect you to win.
2: Uh, my dad, but it was always a healthy way, right? So, um, like. Back then oklahoma was the big thing right we would the oklahoma city athletic club right uh, carl belford tj jaworski these guys pat tossy was on that team back then until he moved back to pennsylvania uh, mark deal i think keith nix was in that crowd a little bit so i used to see these guys at the summer because t- back then we didn't have a lot of national national tournaments in off season you go to grand nationals in In Lincoln, Nebraska, I mean, it is the national tournament for freestyle. And I remember we had USWF magazine back then. So I think it's important. We all find different ways to motivate ourselves, right? I'm visual. Some people say uh, rankings don't matter. As a wrestler, I studied the rankings, and I wanted to be there. And so I'd get that USWF magazine, and I read names like Kendall Cross, Corey Bays. And then i go to some of these tournaments, and I would see these guys. And the first time we went to the um, kids' nationals, we got crushed it was like my second year of wrestling first year of freestyle, but I wanted to be in that magazine. Right. And so we, my, my dad, I remember driving back, uh, like most families back then we just, you know, middle-class modest uh, lifestyle. I remember feeling bad because we didn't place. We both went, Oh, and two. And I had told my dad, I remember I was, we were driving home and I was like, I'm sorry. We're sorry. We didn't place or whatever. And, um, he was like, no, you, you don't be sorry. I don't care um you guys he knew we trained very hard because we were pretty serious we sold our four wheeler bought a home wrestling mat on our own we were just obsessed and um he's like next you train your ass off next year you're gonna come back here and win it and i came back and got first my brother got third the next year but um so my dad had a healthy way of doing it but um i remember one time my brother lost to this guy a few times. He was actually a four time state finalist, so very good in high school. But they went out of bounds. And my brother was up a weight class and I was down because I was the lighter of the two. And uh, this other opponent kind of crawled on his knees from out of bounds all the way to the middle. And my dad was like, no kid of mine loses somebody who won't get up like a man and jog back on the mat. And my brother never lost to him again. So my dad (laughs) was really into like the visual, that body language. He, he was um, he was a alpha male and and I, I liked being around those guys. Uh, we were fighters and scrappers had an awesome lifestyle bit. Um, you know, we we, we we were expected to throw down my dad would throw down. It was just but he wasn't didn't push winning, but he pushed um, winning next time. You know, it's time here. You've had a couple losses to this guy. It's time, you know. And so the that that's an important push I think we don't give oft, often enough. When it's time, and you should be winning, right? And okay. so my dad was – he was amazing.
1: That's awesome. That's really cool. Uh, there's, you know, there was like – I think it was 92 whatever. But there's was – NCAA sanctions came down on Oklahoma State for – I think it was paying for – Kids to go to open tournaments or something like that, right? But the point is, this happened while you were there. <clears throat> Eventually, the end result was uh, Oklahoma State wasn't allowed to compete in the NCAA's one year, '93, I think. I could be off by this, but ha- how do you remember this happening? Not not the the pain <laughs> for the whatever the sanction was about, but. Yeah how it affected you, your brother ended up leaving, you stayed, what was it, what was that process like, what was the, you know, it like coming to the decision of whether or not to stay, and it's a really unique situation, I'd like to hear, hear from your point of view.
2: Yeah, so there's a book on it by Bob Dellinger, it's called The Cowboys Ride Again, it's about to come back and stuff, but yeah, all, basically, the we were, oh, Joe is an Oklahoma, or uh, sunk his kids money to pay for red shirts to go to tournaments. He didn't pay us to wrestle, right. but like our gas money, hotels we'd have. I remember sleeping in a bathtub one night, seriously, uh, one night. So we had like eight guys to a room. So uh-huh. we were like we were getting money. But the thing was, we covered it up and, 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 he, and he had us like lying, corroborating our stories. And so I got hit pretty hard uh, because after high school, I, I only weighed 121 pounds coming out of high school. And uh, <clears throat> so I took a year off to gray shirt to get bigger, then red shirted, and then that was how we were gonna work through Kendall Cross graduating, Corey Bayes graduating, my brother's red shirting, then competing at 18, but then Kendall at 26, my brother moving up to 26. That was a plan that was gonna work beautifully, except for that summer, I was still technically a recruitable athlete, and I worked Oklahoma State camps. And uh, that's where I got hit. So I really got hit hard. I lost off and on a lot, a big chunks of my freshman year as a varsity wrestler. Um, I remember being at a at a tournament. Well, one time I had Henson right, and and I had I had a thirteen year winning streak against Sam. He did beat me the last time he wrestled in a freestyle match, but I, I had I had a long. It was a big thing in my family. I was, you know, I, I had. It was just my dad kind of. Well, there we go. He's like, you know, we need to lo- beat, beat this guy because I had won the first couple bouts as a middle school kid, lost in the third match, and my dad didn't like the way I lost. And so it was kind of a family thing there. And uh, I know Henson felt it too. And anyway, so I was supposed to, and I was like, I'm not going to win this match. The NCA was calling, saying Perler can't weigh in, and then I'm like, okay. And Joe's like, don't rehydrate. Hour later, go cut weight. It was and I literally we have a guy, Tony McCall, who was an awesome D2 wrestler. I think he was a runner up. He was behind me, but an awesome wrestler. Great dude. He's up there and I'm not even allowed to go upstairs in Galagraibu Arena. I have to sit down in our locker room and I don't know if I'm wrestling. They delayed the dual meet like 12, 13 minutes. And the the trainer comes down and goes, hey, Henson's on the mat and McCall's warming up behind the bleachers. And I'm th- I'm like hoping I don't have to go wrestle. I'm so screwed up mentally being jerked around. It was that bad. I did that one time for the OU match too. They said you can't Perler can't wrestle. So this is my freshman year. Then they said Perler can, and I jump in a van and the trainer was always kind of my with me. They threw me in a van, I went there, and then Um, There was no cell phones then. So I get there and they go, Perler can't weigh in. The NCAA has decided he's not wrestling. So they really kind of just ripped me around. Um, But I did lose off and on a lot of my freshman year, all my sophomore year, and uh, all postseason wrestling my junior year. And then I finally got to wrestle my senior year, where my brother lost all of of his junior year, postseason his senior year, because he was a year ahead of me. Chuck Barbie was two years ahead of us, so he lost his senior year. So me, my brother, and Chuck Barbie really got it hit twice, and the whole team lost postseason wrestling in 93. Um, And me and Tony and Chuck lost an entire year on top of that, and I got jerked around a lot as a freshman. So it it was a horrible time, Uh, but I stayed basically because I was cutting way down to 118. Um, It was very unhealthy what I was doing. I basically outgrew the 118 pound weight class, but I had to be down there another year or two. And um, so when my brother, what, the whole team lost their postseason wrestling, he transferred to Nebraska and won the NCAA title. I was actually sharing the spot at 126 with him. And I wrestled some tournaments at 134, actually. And, um, you know, actually, my brother won the NCAA title that year, beat Sean Charles sean had one loss that year that was to me so i was very competitive at 26 technically ranked number one in the nation but uh not allowed to wrestle uh but then um so, so i probably would have transferred if i could make 118 in fact i know i would have uh but it, it, that the the weight cutting was part of it too and john kind of shared he was taken over at that time and, and he was like yeah stay here Eat it. It's another year. You're a freestyle wrestler anyway. I'll help you with that. Let's just stay here and pull this thing off as a senior. And that was the plan. So, all right. And then, so you're your senior in 1994? Yes. So, and
1: you, you guys won a team title. So, what, you know, did many, you, Tony left. Did Chuck stay or leave? And did many guys leave or did pretty much everybody stay?
2: Yeah. So, Chuck Barbie was ranked number two in the nation. He lost his senior year. That was tony's junior year my sophomore year so chuck just lost everything me tony and chuck all lost an entire year and technically the word has it tj jaworski and uh chris owens were going to as well but they got attorneys at the last minute and and me tony and chuck were the only three that didn't get an attorney and uh so so we lost an entire year so chuck lost his senior year so that's kind of how that worked but um so yeah we all stayed so Tony left, was the national champion. Um, Jody Wilson could not make the team because he was behind Alan Freed. And so he left and um, went to Iowa State and was fourth. Um, um, There were a couple more guys that left too. I think four guys left, the rest of us stayed. And actually, I believe we had the number two, we could also not offer scholarships in 93, leading into 94. And yeah. Oklahoma State, if I remember correctly, had the number two ranked recruiting class in America and they all were walk-ons. Wow. Yeah, Jacob Newby, Robbie Haddon, uh not Robbie Haddon, Jacob Newby, Scotty Renee, uh, Jared Kelso. There were some hammers that came in. So uh, and a lot of those were Oklahoma State guys, but some are out of state. Uh you know, we it, back then it was Iowa OCU, that was it. Yeah. I'm not saying that was it, but it pretty much that was, much, the big- that was yeah, and so guys like, I don't care, I want to be a Cowboy, I'm going. And they were just writing checks and showing up, and uh, it was pretty awesome. It was cool. Yeah, how, I,
1: and then I guess, you know, how satisfying was it to come back and win in 94, the year you guys finally get allowed back in postseason?
2: Yeah, well, it was satisfying for the team, but I was ranked number one and seeded the first NCAA tournament, and I got seventh. My wrestling really tightened up, and I just didn't have those experiences going into it you know, uh, uh, looking back. And so uh, it it was like a blur to me, you know, Um, your whole life into something and when you don't win. So I I was happy for the team, but it was kind of – You know, I guess it was I was I was there six years as a gray shirt, red shirt. And when I was a gray shirt, I was not in the team. I worked out with Corey Bays in the mornings and John usually at night or sometimes Kendall, sometimes my brother. So I had to like train on the outskirts and and I did all that. That was legal and I did everything right. Um, But we won three national titles when I was there for six years. So it kind of got to be like not a big deal. I'm not saying not a big deal, but I remember like I guess it was a 90, we won it also. And um, the athletic director, Dave Martin, he was actually an NCAA champion also for Iowa uh-huh. State uh, on Dan Gable's team. He brings the NCAA trophy down and says, hey guys, you wanna see this one more time? We were all training right away. It took a week off, back on the mats, getting ready for the US Open. And uh, there was probably 30 guys in the wrestling room. And I remember this was very cool. And I, I he's like, hey, don't, it's going in the trophy case. You never get to touch it again. I mean, really, no one thought it was a big deal. And it was a very cool. And so we're like, okay, we all went by and touched the trophy. And he's like, okay, you guys don't want to see the trophy one last time. So, you know, a few years later, when we run it again. I'm not saying it wasn't a big deal. And it was, because it was John's first and, and so forth. But, um, you know, you they, they won uh, some back then. I'm sure Penn State probably has that experience now when they win another title so yeah uh
1: what you know a young john smith what was he like as a coach
2: uh phenomenal very influential guy in my life um he was finishing up and kenny monday also so kenny was kind of we had this real long narrow wrestling room it was weird because bruce burnett was in the room uh and um C. and bruce kind of ran the team right he was only there four or five years we won he was there four years they won two titles then he left right and right when the NCA stuff started happening and i always kind of resented bruce i don't now but i did for a you know 10 20 years i was like the dude jumped ship when it was sinking Surely should at least tipped us off we had no idea this NCA stuff was happening but anyway so he left a bit john and, and kenny were very influential at and uh, so they were still training and we got a chance to watch those guys. Nate Carr, who's just one awesome human being, he would show up. Rico Ceparelli would show up. And so we had some hammers in the room training. But um, I, I got to train with John a lot. The last three years of his career, I was one of his main workout partners. I didn't come home much in the summers. My mom didn't like it, but, but I would I would train with John twice, hang out at John's house. His wife now, girlfriend girl from back then, Tony, would make us dinner and stuff. And he was always appreciative. But, you know, I just, I, I traveled the nation a lot in the summers and did John Smith camps after the couple of weeks of Oklahoma State camps were over. So it, it, it was cool. And then the first three years of his coaching career, he was my coach. So I was like a six-year transition there, but he went from uh, athlete to, to coach. Um, but yeah, he, he's just a tremendous guy, um, a complete killer and a fire breather. And it was important to be around, like I said, around a lot of guys like that but um john john he was very intense and uh much more intense as a as a wrestler than a coach a, as i remember it um but you know you're just around someone who only thinks about winning and scoring like it changes you as a man let's put it that way and, and it did he was a good guy still is
1: you know, some of the like really early John Smith flow wrestling interviews. So we're talking like 06, but and, and then he's talking about when he was a competitor, right? And he's like, I was, I, I remember this interview. He's like, I felt like I was a scientist going into his lab and I was on the verge of curing cancer. That's how excited I was every day to get into the room because I'm figuring out new things in these new positions nobody's ever been in. Like, Do you remember and like you were I guess the back half of his career is when you guys started training Mm -hmm. right and and into coaching and so I don't know if this was earlier or if you were a part of this but do you remember some of these like developmental workouts where he's like coming up with this low single and these attacking below the knee and all these different finishes that he seemingly kind of invented or at least developed on his own from what I understand.
2: Yeah, yeah, not the low single like stuff. No, that was before us. In fact, Craig Martin who, uh, you know, Craig, uh, Yeah, he's all my top coach. Mizzou. He's, yes. Yeah. Awesome guy. So yeah. he's the one that showed me a low single leg because he was in college at the time and he helped with our freestyle team, team St. Louis. My mom helped start that program. It's still around. And, and he had us shooting low and he's like, go home and get a chair and put a broomstick on it and shoot under it. And we did all <laughs> this, my brother and I, so we learned a low single leg through Craig and we got pretty good at it. I'm not going to lie. Um, And so when I went to college and I started training a lot with everybody, but John a lot, especially my gray shirt year, because I could train with the guys outside of their official practice time. And um, he just, John, John was very selfish. He's, I learned that he said that word about 10 times, 10,000 times to us, be selfish, be selfish, be selfish as a, as a wrestler. And I think that was an important lesson too. But, you know, it was probably about six months of just getting beat up. And then um, he really didn't show me much or help me. He would just say, Hey, thanks, Nick. And he would just walk off and go do a sprints or whatever. And I would, I was a big rope jumper or whatever. So I'd usually do that. Um, but then he's kind of like, it kind of like he, he realized I want to get good at wrestling too. And <laughs> I was making sacrifices <laughs> to be there. I remember one time right off the bat, there was a, there was a party at uh, Corey Baze's house. And uh, John comes in late, it's like 1130 at night and, and Rico Ceparelli was with them. They came in from some training camp or out of town at a camp. And John's like, I, I want to go work out. Is, you want to go? And he asked me and I go, yes. And I remember the next day, some, or maybe that night, some of the guys, you don't have to do that. Cause they, they, they thought John was like really selfish, you know, and they grew up with the dude. And, and I'm like, I'm not doing it for John. I'm doing it for me. You know, I got a I got a world champion that wants to train. I want to be a world champion. I want to be a national champ. I'm not doing this for John. And and one of the guys that actually was a star being being an NCAA finalist. He actually kind of made fun of me. Like I was kissing John's ass. I go, hey, I'll take you. I, I go, I want to win. And so I went and trained with them a bit. So it was 1130 at night. And I remember Rico's just took some dumbbells in, into the sauna. And man, I got my ass beat. <laughs> like. I'm not exaggerating. like 1am and it felt so awesome, you know? And I, it, it, so the stories about John training like a madman, they're, they're true. But I remember one experimental thing. He got so good at a touch and go high crotch from the elbow. And he was like, he would step in and say, reach in a little bit of experimental stuff. But um, not the low single leg stuff. Uh, but yeah, he was he was obsessed with being great. And that's why he was.
1: Yeah, I think that's fascinating. I love hearing about stories like that training with John Smith. And was not even the most single necessarily, but the learning the experimental phase the development of something new, and like, I guess the the elbow pull, high crotch. And oh, yeah, and all that
2: I did too. We all we all like that. I mean, that's, that's why I like these interviews and things that you guys do, because it's like you get behind I love the stories. It's like in, when you watch the Olympics, they tell the stories about the kid's mom quitting her job and moving to California and, and getting on the ice at 4 a.m. And dad was a trucker. And I mean, I'm like, I love it. I, I, I love the behind the scenes stories. And, uh, you know, we have a lot because, you know, just like you did when your time at Mizzou, it's, it's very cool. And that's what we reflect now on as a 50-year-old as a man not the techniques and stuff we learned, or even the tournaments or dual meets or NCAA title or the team stuff. But those stories, you know, like, uh, I remember Randy Couture, back then, they tried to train, teach everybody to wrestle like John Oklahoma State did a bad thing back then. I think yeah. John even admits that trying to force everybody to wrestle like, Oh, I figured the sport out. Yeah, I remember. Uh, uh, I remember Randy Couture punching a locker slamming the locker and saying i'm not going to wrestle i'm not going to wrestle this way anymore i'm going to wrestle the way i wrestle and he made the ncaa finals that year you know so that's a story that i reflect on a lot because i'm kind of a big advocate of not trying to teach a style of wrestling and that's why i'm a big kale sanderson fan i don't think any teams nowadays are teaching a style back then it was like iowa style or oklahoma state style and i think that's that does more harm than good. There's certainly elements there that you know. I think you know Oklahoma. My dad said Oklahoma State ruined you guys, especially Tony, which it didn't. He was an NCAA champion. <laughs> Oklahoma State. That kind of style helped me because I I was skinny and wiry and whatever. But uh, I may it may have took some of my di- diverse wrestling away a little bit. But I don't know. Ultimately. Um, yeah, the Randy Couture story is a story that comes to my mind too. I love stories like that. Um,
1: well, and, and you know, now you, you're a coach, right? You've had Perler Wrestling Academy for a long time. You were like, I was in out of college when you started this, and I was living in Missouri, so I saw you guys start a little bit and, and spread. And it's pretty, it's it's a good size now, and it's a great system. But as far as coaching goes, like, how do you coach? Is a pretty broad question but, um, not teaching a style necessarily. Then how do you approach coaching and.
2: Okay. Yeah. Is camps they're, they're, different I than would,
1: practices, I guess. Right.
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So basically, you know, we have, um, I basically have a system in place since 2005 and it took me a couple of years. Um, back then it was a DVD on DVDs, right? Stefan Mischik's dad his Stefan is 11 and he was crying because he wasn't getting better. His dad did the research on my there's an awesome testimony on my website from him. Also, um, Colton Schultz dad. Right. I still stay in touch with them. His kids were homeschooled. They bought my DVDs. They hired a guy at an MMA gym. They wrestled uh, Nick Lee. A lot of these guys who grew up, you know, using our kind of system and so forth. And um, Colton and Nick used to come to camps a lot. So I organized the sport of wrestling because, hey, this is my business. If I don't win, I don't have a job. But unlike a college coach, I don't have a five year contract. Uh, and so I realized once we got into year number two of my academy, it started to blow up. And I was like, dude, I got to, I got to, I, you know, I've, I've always loved like the story about the assembly line, right? Of making a, 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 a Ford, right? Yeah. And the McDonald's hamburger, the system. So I thought, how can I make wrestling more systematic? You know and i love gymnastics you know so if you're a level seven gymnast these are the skills you have to be a level seven gymnast on the balance beam on the vault on the floor right and so i thought wrestling it's weird because in wrestling what we do is this we have right now within tonight near st louis we'll have 18 year olds who have wrestled 11 years practicing a half nelson and we'll have six-year-olds practicing how to counter a russian two-on-one it's completely stupid so i've taken (laughs) wrestling and i've Revolve all my wrestling revolves around the common positions. I call it common positions philosophy, right? So there are positions common to every wrestling match whether you're six years old or 26 front headlock I've counted all of this out You're gonna get about four front headlocks a match in high school and kids wrestling probably even college 50 matches on varsity or youth wrestling So that's 200 front headlocks a year. You say, what are the best two ways, two to three ways to score from here? Let's drill those about 9,000 times. And how about an ear-to-ear collar tie? Eight times a match times 50 matches, someone grabs your neck. You wrestle three times a week, year-round, 7,834 times someone's going to grab a collar tie. In... High school and kids wrestling, sure. Individually, some guys and girls may not be collar tie wrestlers, but these are common positions. So when you start looking at the best two to three ways to score from the common positions, and then you prioritize those, and you and, you, and we have, our, right now it's our online wrestling course, and there's hundreds of subscribers. We're really big in the jiu-jitsu community now, too, actually. I was just on the, uh, they say they're the largest jujitsu podcast in America. Uh, BJJ Mental Models. And um, anyway, so um, they, they love our, our stuff, too. So we have prioritized everything in basics: phase one, phase two, phase three. So when you start to look at the common positions, there are positions common to every match, no matter your age, like a front headlock. I'm on top. You stand up. I have to mat return you. Doesn't matter if you're six or 26. That's a common position. But there are positions that are very common for a six year old like a half nelson counter you don't see that in phase three all right or our our our, our four part phases so but you they're going to sit the corner when you hit a head outside a leg attack so that's a common position but we shouldn't be messing with it in the basics or phase one guys so it boils down to right around 275 wrestling techniques that we focus on and it depends on the program for our academy we have core skills uh, PWA core skills, PWA uh, elite, and we go from a one-page drill plan to a three-page. And then I stole this from the world-class athlete program for the Army, so okay. I apologize, but we have PWA world-class wrestler program. And uh, last year at the, at the height, we had we had six coaches, two wrestling rooms packed with guys and girls. They drive us six hours, round trip. some of them. We had 68 wrestlers in there last year at one time, 32 state finalists. Most of those were growing up in our rooms. You know so um, we have four levels and so as far as my system it depends on which Academy just like you as a level five gymnast once you become level eight there's different stuff there's still core skills that you're learning there's more time commitment on your part my niece is the level 10 all-around state champion gymnast in Missouri so you know uh, I've watched her career and, and so from a systematic standpoint I try to make wrestling where it's kind of like a McDonald's hamburger or making a deck. It's like a blueprint. And so for our camps, we do the same thing. We have a five-day takedown camp common positions we're still working on and then we have our three position camp top bottom neutral heavy emphasis on leg riding which we're nationally renowned for and then our 14 day dream season camp which is the three position camp on steroids and if you do all of those camps together and my seminars uh for a few days it's a 28 day camp so um from an academy and a camp perspective everything that we do revolves on the system that i've built since 2005 which I've now recreated a couple years ago to put online and uh, completely organized. It's no different than building a deck. Now from an individual style, I let them work that out. Uh, dude, you got to tell me, I mean, Brandon Slay naturally started just saying, holy cow, this feels good. Jordan Burroughs didn't like, somebody didn't magically crawl out of the stands and say, you know what, you should really try to hit a double leg from six foot away. <laughs> The dude probably did it, right? No, he's like, "Oh, thanks." So I think we we we, we worry too much about style development. If the kid wants to win, he's going to start to live in the positions he or she likes, use the techniques. So, um, yeah, there's a there's a a, a long uh, detailed answer, but uh, it was all very. Um, it's it's you, you get my point there.
1: Yeah, well. Uh... It just doesn't sound like you've put a whole lot of thought into this.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm obsessed. Yeah. No. Clearly. So, uh, I, yeah. So like I said, I, am not well-rounded. I'm not saying my personality is good. I'm not saying it's bad. I, I had friends growing up, me and my brother, we literally would, would train five, six days a week. My younger brother, Josh, his friends would not come over to our house. Cause we'd make them wrestle. I thought I was doing them a favor, right? Jeez, like we my would do spr- I don't have any friends. Yeah, uh, I, I I female. spent the night at one uh, one friend's house one time growing up. Uh, I I just stayed in I stayed in that little little um, in our little spot in Missouri, and we just trained. That's all we did. And I got in college. I remember one time Kendall Cross, he was my neighbor, and 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 Dayton's dad, Derek, was about eight houses down here. Jim Shields, one of the greatest coaches in America, was right across the street from me. Well, his girlfriend was. He stayed there a lot, and then Kendall was like about eleven houses down on the left. So Kendall and Keith Walton was at, at he was either at OU at the time and hanging out with Kendall, I think, but he was started off at Oklahoma State. Knocks on my door. Me and my brother Friday night, this is like third week on campus. We're watching Arson Fedzayev wrestling, VHS tape.
1: Yeah.
2: And um, yeah, he I, I watched I watched every match of his hundreds of times. Um and Kendall's like, What the hell are you guys doing? And we're like we're watching Arsene Pizayev, and he's like, "No, you're not gonna make it in college. If you, you got to learn to have a little bit of fun." And he turned the TV off. He's like, "Go get dressed. We're going out." And Keith's <laughs> like, "Yeah, what's up, guys? We got to have a little bit of fun in life." So we've always been that way. I've been that way with with my wrestling academy and club i love to work i'm 52 we've hit a new stride about three or four years ago i remember somebody i know just turned 40 and i'm like god i wish i was 40 because i get another 10 years of work in because i'm at a new stride i love work i love it so uh organizing our dvd series and system from a, a basic and more advanced working with kids which is what i do high school and youth it was easy but i had i i would watch wrestling at night on my laptop i'd watch matches with a sticky note i know and so do you you know so many little tricks to wrestling but you don't realize you know them until you see right and you're like oh yeah especially when you're down in the gutter coaching you forget all the stuff you know and i would write on a sticky note i literally after it took three years after three years i had i had manila envelopes stacked with papers and i just took them out and i reorganized and that's how i came up with phase two and phase three of our system um, yeah completely obsessed I, 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 I'm still obsessed um, I, I just I just I just like to be good at I don't want to be good at a lot I want to be really really good at some one thing and uh, right now I, I love coaching I love developing coaches we have about six or seven guys coaching at the college level now Alex Clemson, still a good friend of mine. He he was in our room a couple of years before he graduated. So I got young guys, my son, my son-in-law, are coaches now for us. They run our girls' programs, which are exploding. And um, I, I like coaching coaches who can coach athletes. That's kind of where I'm at now in the whole deal. All right. Um, wrestling's always changing, whether it's like,
1: you know, like the the technique on the mat right back when i was in college and after it was passing the legs and the funk and now like you see a lot of guys hit, head inside singles but their ears like uh, uh by down by the calf right it's just it's changing and tweaking so like as you, you learn and and change and and the sport kind of evolves are, is basically your top tier the one that would be changing and how often you know or is that getting updated or addressed
2: yeah yeah, yeah, I, I would say so, but not much. So what you're gonna notice is I work with high school kids and we just had nine that, that committed to division one wrestling and um, all but one trained with us since they were like seven or eight years old. So, you know, I think, cause I, I think in the academy club thing, we get kids who are very good already when they join, right? Sure. Like um, um, EJ, Woody, he just joined. He moved her dad's military. He, he won kids nationals, but most part, uh, Our kids just kind of grew up in our room and they have a lot of success. But guess what? They're still in high school. So on an individual level, we will help tweak ideas with them during live wrestling or kind of individuals and so forth. But when you're talking these little nuances and changes that you see, that is Hayden Heidley. That is, you know, Helen Marulis or whatever, an intricate trick to counter a gut wrench or a counter to a counter. We don't do that. Because we don't have that, those athletes. That's the reason I think some of the best athletes in high school or some of the very good wrestlers in high school who maybe are not top tier yet, they explode when they get in college because it's like if you... If you, if we teach a six year old how to counter a Russian two on one, that's wasted drill time because no one's gonna hit him with a Russian two on one to yeah. begin with. So we don't really do all the nuanced stuff except for maybe as as a system or whatever. It's more individual, you could say, because they're not gonna get a chance to do it. Sure. Because we're that's in high school and in youth coaching.
1: Yeah. Okay. Well, that makes perfect sense. Um This is awesome. This has been great, (laughs) every part of this conversation. Um, But we're kind of winding down to the end, but I know Kyle Klingman's been sitting over here patiently, and uh,
0: he's probably got a couple things for you. Nick, we have a game called Sweat It Out. Five questions hoping to make you sweat. Are you ready to play? Yeah. All right. Number one, what actor played motivational speaker Matt Foley on Saturday Night Live?
2: (sighs) I don't have a clue. I haven't, I haven't watched Saturday Night Live in years.
0: Okay, it was a guy named Chris Farley. He uh, he's from Wisconsin.
2: Yeah.
0: If you remember him, he died. Do you remember oh, Chris yeah. Farley? Okay. Oh yeah,
2: definitely. Yeah.
0: Number two. What year did the United States boycott the Summer Olympic Games?
2: Oh yeah, that was uh, eighty.
0: You got it. Nineteen eighty. <laughs> Number three, before his employment at Flow Sports, Mark Bader was a teacher and coach at what high school for five years?
2: Viani, because he was coaching Sam Hanau, and he called me and said, This kid's special. I know he started training with you. I don't want to leave, but this is an opportunity. If I leave and take this job at Flow, I don't know if it's going to work. My dad gave me his blessing. Will you help coach Sam and take care of him? And I said, I'll do it. Sam was a D2. Was he all, was he a national champ? He was an all-American. He was all American. Yeah. Yeah. And I think yeah. he beat Keith Serber one year. No, Keith beat him. Yeah, Keith was one of our guys too. So uh yeah, I remember Mark uh when he before he even took the job here.
1: Yeah, that's funny. I, I forgot about that conversation. This kid had his dad wrestled I wrestled for his dad at at the high school I'm at. He was um came to this high school to wrestle for me. And then that s- summer before we got to start together, I left him and came here. Yeah. yeah.
2: Worked out for you and it's, he did just fine. So, yeah. Hey. Yeah.
1: I was, I was crushed It, yeah. You know, it was, it was tough, tough decision were, at the time.
2: Yeah. You were a dedicated guy, but like you said, you were young. You, yeah, it worked yeah. out. I'm, I'm proud. Of, I'm proud of you and what the flow guys have all done because you know, they took a risk. And um, they made it work, and I'm a big fan of flow wrestling, and uh, I love what you guys do, and, and you should be proud of yourself.
0: Yeah, thanks, man. Appreciate that. Yeah, yeah you, you like backstories. Mark has a great one, so keep diving into it. <laughs> Number four, who placed second at the 1994 NCAA championships at 126 pounds?
2: Second at 90 what?
0: 96? 94. 94. Oh, at what weight? One twenty six. Yeah, that was my weight actually.
2: Uh yeah, that, that was... was um, the, the Cornell kid got first because I took him down and let him up on the all star match, but I just really blew it. But I forget. Um, I think it was a kid from Old Dominion. He was a Gramby kid back in the day, right? Because oh, Sancho yeah. Abe was ranked number two, maybe behind me. I don't know. But yeah, I think I, I forget his name, but he was a very tough and he beat Sanchero, I believe in the semis. Uh, I can't remember his name.
0: So I mean, you have, have everything except the name. You got all the details. His name is Jody Staler.
2: Yeah. 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 Awesome wrestler. Yeah. There was a Staler finish or something from a single leg that one of my wrestlers learned at a camp years later, but yeah, he was an awesome wrestler. And the Cornell guy, I forget his name. Hirsch. He was a great. Is that David Hirsch? Yeah, awesome wrestler. He's a doctor now, and he was uh, Coach Smith at Mizzou. That was his coach back then, too.
1: That's how I. Yeah, know. so oh.
2: Cornell. That was before they really exploded. But yeah, there you go. Staler. All right. Back
0: Final story. question. All right. Two people are standing in opposite directions, yet they can see each other. How is this possible?
2: I don't know. They have a mirror in front of them. I don't know.
0: Selfie mode on your camera or something? They are facing each other.
1: Oh, God. Oh, shit.
0: <laughs> oh,
2: yeah. Damn oh, it, you I'm not very smart. Hey, <laughs> I can not say it. If we had a, if we nope. had a um, IQ test, I'd be like, but I'm, <laughs> I, I hate stuff like that. Games, ah. So there you go. You, you can get me a thousand times in a row on that. I'm the only guy who's <laughs> never won a chess game, and I've probably played like about 20 times. I think, of it. yeah, so I'm not good at those things. Wrestling. But I'm good at Sunday. Coaching. Yes. I am good at that. Yep.
1: Yes. That's great. Hey, we got one last game I like to play. Um, it's called wins and whoopings. So I'm trying to think, you know, over the any match you ever wrestled in your entire life, looking for one win that – that just, it's memorable, right? Maybe it's your yeah. best. Maybe it's your favorite. Maybe it's a comeback. Maybe it's after your dad told you to beat somebody, you beat somebody. Whatever it yeah. was, one really memorable win and one really memorable, like, just god-awful ass-whooping that you took. Oh,
2: that's has got everybody's yeah. got
1: one. Of, okay, if that's easy. Yeah, and you can do either oh, one first.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So so I, I got beat pretty bad by Chad Zapato in the Iowa Duel Meet. uh, uh it, it was tough wrestling in that environment and I was cutting massive amounts of weight and I was considering quitting wrestling at that time. The weight cutting that I was going through, I know everybody's got their sob story. Uh, it, it was very bad, right? I had some, I had a lot of issues. Um, it, but so I, I was terrible in dual meets and I was awesome in tournaments. And that's how I became such a great leg rider because Joe sees like, dude, you can't be on your feet this long. And I became such a great leg rider. And that's one reason we're pushed leg riding so hard now. But yeah, he, he beat me good. And then um, Joe Melchiori, my second year in college, I went to the US Open. First year in the US Open, I got beat. I didn't, I didn't place. But I, I wrestled in the men's. We didn't do the Oklahoma State through me and my brother and the, and the freshmen in the US Open, yeah. which is awesome. But then the next year, I had Joe Melchiori second round. He actually made the world team that year. He was NCA runner up two years early to John Smith and I beat him pretty good, like 13 to five. And uh, I was I was pretty good at freestyle. Uh, that's one reason I wish I could have wrestled more freestyle. I always had severe injuries, three surgeries, detached retina. I had, besides, yeah. besides the NCA stuff for a couple of years, I had some very serious, just like a lot of guys do, injuries where I was out three to five months at a time. But freestyle was my thing. So I, I, I had a good match against Joe Melchiori, and um, I got a lot of pats on the back for that. Broke my shoulder the next round. Um, I, also, I also beat Jack Kubo. I, I pinned him, and tech, I think I teched him also. So that was. those are probably tied with the – he was undefeated for a couple of years. So Melchiori and Kubo were probably my two biggest wins. Sure, too. I beat him like ten to four. I had a couple of big wins. Okay. But that get- ass whooping was a good one mm-hmm. I took. And my brother <laughs> beat me. Oh, my brother beat me so bad one time. I remember. I remember just he broke me. I was crying. Oh, so that's a good. That's probably a, a bad ass whooping I took too. I was probably eighth grade. My brother just beat the hell out of me. That hurt worse probably because I didn't like losing to him at anything. <laughs> Yeah. You know, it's funny. Now that you say that, I feel like I've
1: heard old wise tales at least back in Missouri. Like, Tony was training for, I guess there was a be on a world team, and you guys would work out, and sometimes, and you were done, but you'd get the better of him, and he'd want to turn the clock off, and you guys would get in a fight. And does any of that sound? Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. He should have stuck with Greco. So after after college, after I didn't win it my senior year, I was like, I was depressed. You see the Terry Brand story. I was that level of depressed. And um, my whole career in college just took a downturn. Everything was bad, everything went wrong. And when I just, I my wrestling got so tight and John's like, these scores need to be bigger and you know and then I I, I took the other guy down four times in an all-star match and I mean I was like this heads and tails probably should have been way better than our body, but you know, but after I didn't win, I was down to the dumps and um But then I quit and my brother's like uh, I don't know if I should go down to freestyle. He would try to go 136 and he was getting pummeled by Steiner and these guys. So he went Greco, went down to 125.5 and went Greco, made the U.S. Open. He had not wrestled Greco in five years after he won the NCAA title, trained for three weeks, went down to 125.5. I got fourth in the U.S. Open behind uh, Penrith, Brands and Kendall. And then I was fourth <laughs> and my brother gets in the U.S. Open finals in Greco. My brother was so talented in Greco. But after 94, when I decided not to wrestle anymore, John said, Tony, if you wanna be a college coach, you need to, you need to go down and, and wrestle freestyle. And John tried to get me not to retire from wrestling, but back then it was tough, right? We didn't have insurance, money. I was, I was going to grad school. I was gonna get married. It was a different time back then. But um, my brother probably should have stayed Greco. That's where his talent was. But I was, I was better than him at freestyle i i i was even though he was made from the world team and stuff you know i was i was getting the better of him some of those 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 uh occasions just because i think i was more gifted and talented in freestyle and freestyle uh he still was a great wrestler obviously He won the us open and all that yeah awesome well this has been great and he did man has some fights <laughs> you know like i got i got yeah.
1: i got a couple brothers i got a bunch of brothers but one that's close in age and we, we yeah i think it's pretty much uh, just a given fact that if you're going to be brothers and train together, and especially twins, yeah, you're going to throw it out.
2: Well, my son, uh, my son-in-law is a twin, twin brother. They just have this so great relationship; they get along so good. And <laughs> me and my brother get along good too. But I mean, I remember my mom coming down at like 11 o'clock at night, yelling, uh, making us because we'd practice at, at late at night too. I mean, I'm not joking; we were we were nuts so about it. But we'd fight and. um I mean, we hit each other weights and stuff. We were we were violent to each other. Um, yeah. Cool. Oh, I don't know. It's it, fun memories, but yeah. It was all part of the part of the deal, I guess.
1: Sure, sure. Well, um, we're running up right against the hour here, but uh it's it's been awesome chatting about growing up and and getting into wrestling and everything Oklahoma State and John Smith and and into your coaching mm-hmm. career. So, um, appreciate you joining us. I'm going to give you the last word, Nick.
2: Yeah. Well, I appreciate you guys having me and I'm a big fan of flow wrestling and you can find us at uh, anywhere. Just, just Google Perler wrestling. Um, I just got my Google stats yesterday. We had 26,000 people Googled us just, uh, in January. So we're, we're everywhere all over social media. And, um, I also love helping. So like our YouTube channel and, and Instagram and Facebook have videos on like weight cutting and how to make weight what to eat after weigh-ins how to get a college wrestling scholarship what tournaments to go to how to not choke in a big match which we've all struggled with how to mentally prepare for matches how to coach your kids so if you just want to to learn from us just look look, follow us on social media we have about a hundred thousand followers and uh, i love sharing what i know and i love helping people as well um And so there's a lot of great content out there just at your fingertips. And I would encourage all of you wrestlers out there, use the resources around you, all right? Because uh, there's so much out there um, and you you need to take advantage because, um, I mean, it's a wonderful time to be an athlete or even a businessman or anything. So um, there's some great resources out there, but we put a lot of content out that's helpful it's obviously free and it's helpful that can probably be career changing for you if um if you follow myself and a and few others uh that you trust instead of trying to learn from a million people go very deep with a few um that's what i found is best for me in my life and i think um you know I, i'm a guy you could probably go deep with and, and and learn lot from, and I certainly enjoy uh, helping these and their parents and coaches
1: awesome well, Nick, thanks for joining us uh best of luck and continued success with with Perler wrestling academy and uh look forward to chat with you again
2: hey, I appreciate you guys very much and uh good luck thanks have a great day all right, Kyle, great stuff there with the
1: uh I, I really enjoyed digging into the, the Oklahoma state years and I think it the, the level of detail in his wrestling system's pre 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 top notch.
0: Yeah, that was that was fun. That uh that era that he was talking about was when I was really getting into wrestling and I, I remember the ninety four season vividly. So to hear him recount all that was really fun for me since that was what was the the seed that that planted my interest in wrestling. So he was part of that. Awesome.
1: Well, Kyle, thanks very much uh, for joining us, as always. Uh, I'm Mark Bader, Kyle Kleman. We'll see you next time.